Ted Bohorquez here with News Talk KZRG. Welcome to this week's episode of Plot Summary. This is where I take everything that Steve, Peter, and myself discussed this last week on the Morning News Watch, and I give you a nice little plot summary of the entire week, hence the title. This week, I'm going to start off with the presidential race for 2024. The Democrats are now finally in the running. Up until this week, it had only been Republicans that had announced their bids to run for 2024. And finally, we saw some Democrats throw their hats in the ring, specifically Marianne Williamson. She has officially announced that she is running and her sort of campaign slogan, so to speak, her sort of call to action as to why you should vote for her and why she's running is corporate tyranny. That's uh, that's what she calls it. Now, Williamson is the first Democrat to announce that she's running for president, even ahead of President Joe Biden, who is nobody really knows if he's running yet. A couple of weeks ago, Jill Biden, his wife, the first lady, said he is running. But then she kind of walked that back and said, maybe he's running. We'll have to wait and see. And Joe Biden himself hinted that he is, but hasn't made a firm statement yet. So it kind of looks like he's waiting to see which way the wind blows. Until then, Williamson is the first and only Democrat that is currently running for president. Now, like I said, Williamson is sort of trying to end corporate tyranny, and she spoke largely about the economic injustices that Americans face today, is sort of how she put it in her speech. And uh, some of the major policies that she mentioned that she touched on that she wanted to sort of tackle if she was president of the United States are universal health care, child care, paid family or sick leave, tuition-free education, um, guaranteed wage, that's sort of like a UBI, universal basic income type of thing, and a 21st century economic bill of rights. That's what she called it. That's what she's going for. Now, this is not Williamson's first time running for president. Back in 2020, she also ran for president as a Democrat, but um, she dropped out pretty early due to a lack of support. Um, And then she went ahead and later endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders, which based off of the rhetoric that she announced her presidential bid for, it seems like she aligns pretty closely with Bernie Sanders. So that's sort of a frame of reference as to what she's all about. So there we go. First Democrat in the race. It's finally heating up. Excited to see it. Speaking of presidential race for 2024, Donald Trump, he was the first person to announce that he was running for president in 2024. And Trump is now maybe considering Carrie Lake to be his 2024 running mate. A new VP, Pence is out, potentially here. Now, Carrie Lake, if you'll remember, she ran for to be governor of Arizona. Um, She's a Republican, and she lost. Now, Carrie Lake became famous not because she lost, but because of her campaign tactics. They... She was very good with media and press, and because she very famously and very strongly supported Donald Trump's claims of the stolen election back in 2020. So she's a very strong Trump ally, which is something that is probably what Trump is looking at. Now, another thing that Trump is looking at that uh, Carrie Lake might be able to help him with if she is on his ticket is Carrie Lake could help Trump shore up the necessary support among suburban women in order to defeat President Joe Biden, if that were the head-to-head. Now, obviously, Trump supporters are Trump supporters, and the people that don't like Trump don't like Trump. Those two camps are pretty much set in stone at this point. 
But the camp that is not set in stone are the fence sitters, sort of the moderates, people that could go for Trump, could not. And a large demographic of that population specifically are suburban women. So some analysts think that Lake might be a very good pick for Trump because those that like Trump will vote for Trump. And the group of people that he fails to get, the you know fence sitters, the moderates, the suburban women, Carrie Lake might be able to secure those votes on behalf of him. So it could be a very wise matchup there. Now, of course, Trump has not actually formally announced that that's his pick. Um, it has not come out that they've had meetings or discussions. This might even be news to Carrie Lake. But what did come out this week is that Trump is considering it. So we might have that to look forward to. Switching gears here slightly to uh, broader domestic policy, good old politician talk. Cori Bush, she is in the hot seat once again this week. Now, you may remember Cori Bush is the congresswoman for the St. Louis area of Missouri, that whole region. She's a Democrat, and uh, she's been under a lot of fire. She's very pro ACAB. She's very pro dismantling the police. She, you know, very proud, loud and proud uh, on the defund the police movement. She actually, that was actually part of her campaign. And previously, she very famously was hounded for what some would call hypocrisy because while she was busy passing policies to defund the police, she had a record amount of campaign money being spent on private security for herself. And this week, yet another little uh, security controversy among Cori Bush happened. One of Cori Bush's security guards is allegedly moonlighting as an anti-Semitic spiritual advisor. <laughs> so, yeah, who had that one uh, on their bingo sheet? An anti-Semitic spiritual advisor. Now, this individual claims that the Jewish people run the world and the planet, and he's all big on that whole, you know, cabal conspiracy. And so that was some pretty hot news this week of like, really? You doing that? Keep in mind, this is a week, one week after, just just the week before, it was revealed that Cori Bush married one of her security guards in St. Louis, and then she paid him $627,000 in private security payments from her campaign. Of which, by the way, this individual that she married, that she paid this money to, doesn't actually have a private security license, which is required in the St. Louis district, which is her only district. And, and again, all of this, despite her being one of the leading voices for the defund the police movement. So, yeah, I mean, she's really cooking with gas over there uh, with the security guards. I, I mean, she must hire them based solely on looks or something. Because I, <laughs> I don't know how she keeps on marrying these people and becoming buddies with them. And then they turn out to be anti-Semitic like good job i mean did you did you interview them first or did you just sort of pick them weird in other um us political news this week it came out that cpac may be a little bit corrupt cpac stands for the conservative political action conference this week we saw that former president donald trump spoke at it a, a number of uh Big Wig Republicans were there. Ron DeSantis was not there. But other than that, it was pretty much the usual suspects. Well, it came out this week that Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, he said that he was offered second place in the 2023 CPAC straw poll 
if he paid a consultant. Hmm, maybe a little bit of corruption in there. Ramaswamy said, quote, One of the things you see as an outsider is how corrupt the system is. You know something funny about this? I attended CPAC before. I didn't know it works this way, end quote. So allegedly, uh, a, a consultant, an individual approached Ramaswamy and said, Give me $200,000 and you will come in second place for the CPAC straw poll. Now, these claims have not been confirmed yet, but it is worth noting that Carrie Lake, former Republican gubernatorial candidate and possible running mate for Donald Trump, also noted that she was offered a bribe to stay out of politics for two years, also at CPAC. Hmm. That, that, um, that bit of news turned a few heads this week. What is going on at CPAC? Is there potentially swamp-like behavior? Uh, we'll let the fans decide, but someone is trying to grease palms. That much is clear. And finally, the last big bit of news that we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG when it came to domestic politics and policy is Joe Biden's budget. President Biden's annual budget plan was released this week. This is how much money he's asking for and for what. And his budget plan for the next fiscal year calls for roughly $5.5 trillion in tax increases. He wants to increase how much money the government makes off of its citizens by $5.5 trillion. And he wants to do that over the next decade to help offset his proposed spending increases. Nice. Now, Biden's plan, what that would consist of, is raising the corporate tax rate to 28%. It was at 21 And he also wants to raise the top individual tax rate from 37% to 39.6%. The budget also proposes the near doubling of capital gains taxes on assets like stocks and, and crypto and all that stuff. He wants to basically double it from 20% to 39.6%. That's not quite double. He's 0.4% off. That's basically double, though. Um, and that would be for people who earn more than $1 million in annual income. That's the plan anyway. He also claimed that his budget will raise $650 billion by closing Medicare tax loopholes and raising the rate of Medicare taxes from 3.8% to 5% for those with an income of over $400,000. Basically, he's just going to be raising taxes across the board. Now, he does have these minimum numbers set on incomes over $400,000, people who earn more than a million dollars, corporations that make more than $8 million, you know, stuff like this. That all sounds fine and dandy on the surface, but a lot of economists have been warning that This is going to cause a bit of an issue for the economy as a whole because it's going to be slowing everything down. Now, why is he doing this, right? Why why do we need an extra $5.5 trillion? Well, one, our deficit is crazy. Two, our debt is very high. The United States is getting to the point where they are now borrowing money just to pay off the interest rate, not even to pay off the debt itself. So that's pretty problematic, but also because he wants to spend more money. He wants to give the Defense Department a 3.2% raise. He wants to send another $6 billion to Ukraine, another $6 billion on top of the $130 we've already sent. And he wants to give $1.2 billion toward the Energy Department to decarbonize the planet. 
and uh, reduce the risk of global warming. And that's where that $5.5 trillion is going to go to, uh, is the plan, anyway. We'll see if it gets there, and we'll see if it actually works out. You know, if you remember back when he had his whole Green New Deal sort of plan, he was asking for really outlandish things that no reasonable person would agree to, and he knew that. He started really high, and then he let Republicans negotiate, quote-unquote, negotiate him down to where he actually wanted to be. So perhaps this massive, ridiculous budget, maybe that's just that. Maybe he doesn't actually think he's going to get all this. Maybe he doesn't even want all this. Maybe he's doing it just as sort of a negotiation tactic to get down to what he really wants. And what he really wants, God only knows. The Department of Homeland Security, the DHS, they uh, they made some headlines this week, which we discussed quite a bit on the Morning News Watch and News Talk KZRG. As it turns out, the Department of Homeland Security has been collecting domestic intelligence. Not that surprising, but a little bit concerning. And the real plot twist in this whole thing is not that a government agency was spying on the American public, as awful and abhorrent as that is. The real plot twist is they were doing it so much that there was internal concern amongst employees that what they were doing may have been illegal. Well, not may have been, was illegal, but their spying became so rampant on the American public that the employees of the Department of Homeland Security were sending emails to each other saying, dude, this isn't right. This is illegal. (laughs) I mean, this is not a good idea. And when the bad guys are sitting around saying this is a bad thing to do, that's how you know it's pretty darn bad. (laughs) So, yeah. That was a big headline this week. And, of course, people were very concerned about this because, naturally, and also because this is on the heels of the Twitter files that came out, which showed, proved, if I dare say, government collusion with big tech to spy and censor Americans. That's what that showed. Those hearings also went on this week. Matt Taibbi, who broke those stories, um, he was being questioned in a Senate hearing Um, and uh, a series of hearings this week. So we'll see what that comes out to. But, yeah, big government, it's not just the NSA. It's now the DHS as well that is spying on you. Which, by the way, brings me to our next topic of discussion. Speaking of spying, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified that he believes the Chinese government could use its ties to ByteDance, which is the owner of the social media app TikTok, to control software on American devices. It's no longer conspiracy theory. This is now the director of the FBI confirming that the Chinese could use data on millions of users, rather against millions of users in the United States. Now, what would that look like? Well, basically what that looks like is agenda setting. And the way that this would work, and this is what came out in in this testimony, is that the Chinese Communist Party can actually control what is on Americans' TikToks. They can actually control the agenda and the feed. And so what they have been doing is they promote videos that show obscene violence happening in America, followed by videos of peaceful tranquility happening in China. And so essentially they're sort of conditioning people to believe that America is violent with a broken system. They either show videos of police beating people in the streets or 
they show protesters beating police in the streets. That draws a natural divide in American debate, makes people think that the U.S. is violent, and then immediately shows pandas in China or a lovely noodle shop in China, something that's calm. And it's conditioning people. It's this old psychological trick. It's been used for centuries to make China seem like it's pretty great. They've also been banning, de-boosting, blocking, stopping the sending of videos that show really scary and authenticated footage of the Chinese Communist Party forcing people into apartment complexes, barricading the doors, and letting people starve to death because one person tested positive for COVID in that building. TikTok is also blocking all that. So they are purposely trying to control the narrative and the public discourse in this country in favor of China. FBI Director Christopher Wray testified that he believes TikTok can control the software and American devices. And everything I just told you about the de-boosting everything, that is, being, that, that is all coming out in studies. Now, the FBI and the government, they can't just outright say that that's what's happening because there has to be some sort of negotiation between nations here. There has to be some sort of, you know, you have to be sort of cordial when dealing with another nation that has nuclear bombs. But even so, huge issue. Very problematic. Oh, and that, that was the other thing. Was uh, Another example that he gave at that testimony was he said that China, China is pushing the narrative on TikTok for American users that Chinese ownership of Taiwan is actually a good thing and that U.S. intervention in defense of Taiwan's sovereignty is bad. There's a lot of videos that are, are now be, becoming popularized, being put not because they get a lot of clicks or views like social media is supposed to work, but because the Chinese Communist Party is actually forcing them to the top of the pile. And so Americans' uh, inboxes are being flooded with this, and, and they're trying to change the narrative. So pretty crazy stuff. Don't get TikTok. And if you have it, uninstall it. Like ASAP Rocky, man. Get rid of that. Speaking of invasions and military actions, something else that came out this week that we discussed on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG, a Marine who survived the deadly bombing at Kubal's airport during the 2021 U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. A Marine testified, he told lawmakers on Wednesday of this week, that he was ordered not to kill the suspected ISIS terrorist who he believes was responsible for later killing 13 of his fellow service members and 160 Afghanis. This was Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews. He was, uh, him and his team were assigned to track specifically this individual. They were doing it throughout the entire day. That entire day, they were watching him, following him, tracking him. And they were giving updates to uh, their command post, including one that said they believed, based off of his actions and the way he was physically positioning himself in crowds, they believed that an attack was imminent. Now, they asked their commander if they could take the shoot. If they could take the shot, take him out. And the commander said that he wasn't sure if he had the authority to authorize that. So the commander told Vargas Andrews he'll find out if he does have that authority and he'll, he'll be right back and let him know. Well, that commander never came back and that commander never let him know. Eventually, Andrews' team lost track of the individual as the chaos of that day ensued at the airport and... It very well could have been that very individual that ended up killing 13 Americans and 160 Afghanis that day. 
If you watch the video, you'll see it is a very, very solemn testimony. And of course, as we all know, after that withdrawal, a number of uh, uh, U.S. equipment was left behind because they left in, well, a bit of a hurry. Well, it also came out this week the number of what was left behind and how much of it. And it's a little depressing. It is now believed that the Taliban has $7.2 billion worth of U.S. military equipment. $7.2 billion of military equipment that was made and paid for by the American taxpayers. The Taliban now has it. They have at least 78 aircraft worth $923 million. They have 9,524 air-to-ground munitions valued at $6.4 million, and that's a, a rough estimation on the low end. They have over 40,000 vehicles, more than 300,000 weapons, and nearly all of the night vision, surveillance, communication, and biometric equipment that was provided to the Afghan Defense Forces. The Taliban now has all of that and more. That doesn't talk about the ammunition, the armor plating, things like backpacks, clothing, sights for weapons, things like that. This report came out this week, uh, uh, which is just ahead of the first public hearing on the Afghanistan withdrawal in the now Republican-controlled House. And um, and um, it also came out during these hearings that um, the Taliban are now recruiting Afghan military personnel to join their air force and fly abandoned U.S. planes that were left behind and taken by the Taliban. Apparently, the pilots working for the Taliban say that they need jobs and that the Taliban are the most reliable employer in Afghanistan at this point. (laughs) Very depressing. So not only did the U.S. provide them with all their equipment, they're now providing them with the training because the U.S. trained the Afghan Defense Forces who are now being recruited by the Taliban. So, um... Yeah, nailed it. A number of other uh, wild and sort of depressing things happened this week that we discussed on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Four U.S. citizens were violently kidnapped in Mexico during a terrifying caught-on-camera cartel shootout last week. And this week, it was revealed that two of them have been found dead. Two of them, luckily, survived. Now... These four and these four Americans were traveling from South Carolina to Mexico in order to undergo a tummy tuck procedure. Now, only one of them was doing a tummy tuck procedure. The other three went, uh, you know, as buddies and, oh, let's go to Mexico for a few days. Woohoo. Well, not so much woohoo. The four ended up getting abducted at gunpoint in broad daylight, broad daylight. Shortly after they crossed the border, this this was last week. Yeah, they were they were kidnapped. Now, officials think that this may have been mistaken identity. It was the cartel that did this, but they think the cartel may have been targeting another group of Americans or another group of people. Maybe they weren't Americans they were looking for at all. But at any point, two Americans are now dead. Some GOP lawmakers are now considering legislation to actually take military action as a way of uh, getting retribution for this accidental or purposeful attack. Again, nobody really knows the motives at this point quite yet, 
But in any case, two Americans lost their lives because of the cartel. Another uh, smaller little piece of news that we discuss, the Norfolk crash. Another, another, another Norfolk Southern train ran off its tracks just weeks after the huge uh, Palestine, Ohio de- uh, derailment. Now, this second train luckily had no hazardous material on it, which is good, but same same train. <laughs> I mean, same company. They lost another train on the tracks. Now, I'm not a train expert, but usually those are supposed to stay on the tracks. And from my knowledge, most companies have a pretty good track record, pun intended. So what these guys are doing, I don't know. But it's starting to become uh, a common problem, evidently. Walmart made an announcement this week that we discussed on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Walmart announced that they are permanently closing all of their locations in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) They said uh, they're doing this for financial reasons. In an official announcement, Walmart said, quote, We have nearly 5,000 stores across the U.S., and unfortunately, some do not meet our financial expectations. While our underlying business is strong, these specific stores haven't performed as well as we'd hoped, end quote. Now, this announcement doesn't really come at a surprise, because just a few months ago, Walmart CEO warned that stores could start closing and prices would have to increase in light of sky-high retail crimes, which is affecting stores across the country, not just Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Target. They've all been experiencing these sky-high retail crimes. Keep in mind, crime is not the only reason that Walmart is shutting down all of their locations in Portland, Oregon. Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, said, quote, theft is an issue. It's higher than what it has historically been. Prices will be higher. Stores will be closed if authorities don't crack down on prosecuting shoplifting crimes. However, we make the decision to close stores based off of a series of topics, end quote. Now, those series of topics include things like foot traffic. It includes things like competition. Um, it includes things like what is the minimum wage, that sort of thing. So it's not just crime, but McMillan, the CEO, said authorities, you know, again, he said if authorities don't crack down on prosecuting shoplifting crimes, stores are going to close. Prices are going to rise. And that's just the way the news goes. That's just how it rolls. Those were sort of the big things we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Steve Scott this week, record number of tokens in the bad joke jar. That was awesome. Ted Bohorquez, your boy here, got Peter to get a token in the Peter's Wrong jar. That was pretty jarring. But we have madness going on. Just a few more days. Get your entries in. We had severe weather week this week. We discussed tornado safety, flood watch safety, uh, thunderstorms and hail. News Talk KZRG's Ty Albright put up an excellent video on Facebook that sort of walks you through what to do when there's lightning, what to do when there's flood. Very informational, very compact, short little two-minute video. He gets in and out, super dense, full of rich, solid information. Check that out for sure as well. Be sure to tune in next week to KZRG's Morning News Watch at FM 102.9, 105.9, AM 1310, or on your smart speaker, News Talk KZRG. We also stream every single morning the Morning News Watch on Facebook Live. So if you go to our Facebook page, it's News Talk KZRG, you can check out our Facebook Live. 
Um, we'd love to see you there. You can actually leave comments. And the great thing about Facebook Live, as opposed to turning in in, uh, you know, the traditional terrestrial radio, the good old dial, is that on Facebook Live, you can leave comments and we interact directly with you. And the fun part about it is that a lot of the times the comments people leave while we're live on Facebook actually steer the direction of the conversation. Somebody brought up not too long ago the issue of zombie buildings in Joplin on the Facebook Live comments. And when we had the mayor in on Monday, Doug, uh, Doug Lawson, mayor of Joplin, That was a big topic. We discussed zombie buildings for a long time because somebody asked, hey, what's the deal with zombie buildings? And so by being on Facebook Live, you can actually steer the conversation. And it's it's really cool. It's awesome. So tune in there. And remember, if you ever miss anything on the Morning News Watch, you can always catch it right here with Plot Summary on News Talk KZRG.